0: from kindred church your inclusive church family this podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in durham north carolina whatever your background is wherever you are on your faith journey we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to god's unconditional love Well, hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It's good to be with you if we've not met before. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your first time to tune in with us, we're especially glad that you've joined us. Uh, our scripture for today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 10 through 18. And it says this, Now I encourage you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, agree with each other and don't be divided into rival groups. Instead, be restored with the same mind and the same purpose. My brothers and sisters, Chloe's people gave me some information about you, that you're fighting with each other. What I mean is this, that each one of you says, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong to Cephas. I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into Paul's name? Thank God that I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that nobody can say that you were baptized in my name. Oh, I baptized the house of Stephanas too. Otherwise, I don't know if I baptized anyone else. Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news. And Christ didn't send me to preach the good news with clever words so that Christ's cross won't be emptied of its meaning. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are being destroyed, but it is the power of God for those of us who are being saved. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it's hard to believe that Thanksgiving is already uh, upon us, but here we are. We're officially moving into the the holiday season. And I know that for many of us in the days ahead, certainly in the weeks ahead, we're going to be spending some extra time with our families. And for that reason, I think now is a good time for us to think about conflict. How do we handle Conflict, because I know that for a whole lot of us, when we get together with our families, it involves some conflict, right? It could be political conflict. It could be conflict about different religious views. Uh, It could be conflict about old family tensions that have just never been resolved. It could be conflict about what time to have Thanksgiving dinner. You know, is it a lunchtime thing? Is it a dinnertime thing? Is it that no man's land at like 4 p.m.? Why does anybody do that? I don't know. Uh, Or it could be conflict about what temperature to set the thermostat at. It could be uh, conflict over, like the passive-aggressive behavior of your, your Aunt Sally or, or whatever. I don't know what the conflict looks like in your family, but for a lot of us, when we get together with our families, there is conflict. And this is an important topic, not just in relation to family get-togethers, not just in relation to the holidays, because the truth is we face conflict in just about every arena of our lives, pretty constantly, right? You know, like at, at work, your boss does something wrong, uh, your coworker is driving you crazy, there's conflict there. At home, when your partner is driving you crazy, your kids are, are doing something that's that's wrong. That there's conflict there, you know. In the in the political arena, you bump into somebody who's in a different political party from you. Oftentimes, th- there's conflict there. We we just face conflict all the time. I bet many of us could name at least three conflicts that we've faced just in the past week. Maybe just within the the past day, right? And so I think it's worth thinking about uh, how do we handle conflict. How should we handle conflict? Because the reality is, like, unless you buy a private island and move there and just live by yourself forever, you're going to keep facing conflict, and I'm going to keep facing conflict as well. Now, if we're honest and we really think about it, I think a lot of times in the face of conflict, whether it's at work, at home, political, whatever, in the face of conflict, a lot of times what we do is we jump straight to a mindset of division. We jump straight to this, this mindset of division, and, and here's what I mean by that, that, that when we're in conflict with somebody, we immediately see ourselves as being divided from that person. You know, it very quickly becomes uh, me versus you, us versus them. You know, you're on one side, I'm on the other. I'm trying to beat you and make you lose and, and prove that I'm right. You're trying to, to beat me and, and prove me wrong and, and make sure that I lose. We're, we're divided in that sense. That, that's often where we go mentally in the face of conflict, right? I mean, you are, you're sitting around the Thanksgiving table and you're trying to enjoy your pumpkin pie and all of a sudden your uncle starts talking about Donald Trump and you feel your blood pressure start to rise, and, and you put down your pumpkin pie, then you don't want to just have a conversation with your uncle in that moment, right? You 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 go to war, right? You want to crush that guy. You, you would like to make him cry in that moment. Or maybe you're not that aggressive. Maybe you don't want to make a scene. So you just sit there quietly wishing all kinds of horrible things on your uncle, uh, or, or maybe for you, it's it's at home, you know, you, you get into an argument with your partner because they continue to leave their dirty dishes in the sink and they know that you hate that and, and it's so wrong, but they don't think it's wrong, right? And so you get into this argument and it gets heated and, and you don't just want to have a conversation, you, you want to you wanna win, right? And ideally, you would like your partner to acknowledge that you won the argument and they lost, or, or maybe it's at work, you know, and you're, you're butting heads with, with your co-worker over whatever it is, and, and you don't just want to have a, a conversation, right? You're trying to prove that you're right. You're trying to prove that that they're wrong, that this is often how we handle conflict. We, we jump to this mentality of division, and, and our, generally our attitude is like, until they change, until they admit that they are wrong and we are right, we're, we're just going to continue to be divided. This is often how we handle conflict. Well, what I find really interesting about this, this passage that we just read, uh, what I find very challenging about this passage as well, is this challenges us as Christians to handle conflict in a much different way It challenges us to handle conflict as as Christians in a much better way. And and as we're going to see in a minute, this is really hard. Uh, But but if we can do this, it will actually make our lives better. It'll make our relationships better. It'll make our world better as well. So let's spend a few minutes together uh, unpacking this passage a little bit and, and thinking about what is this better way that we can handle conflict. So a little context to to kind of set the stage here uh, for this this passage. Um, We were in the same passage last week, so so, so if you were with us uh, last week, some of this may sound familiar to you, Um, but about 20 years, roughly, after Jesus' resurrection, uh, there was this prominent leader in the early church named Paul, and one of the things Paul did is that Paul started a new church in this city in Greece called Corinth. So Paul starts this church. He actually spends a few years there training up leaders, getting the church up and running. And then once things were in in pretty good shape, uh, Paul moved on so that he could start other churches in, in other places. But Paul kept in touch with the Corinthian church by mail. Now, if you're under 30, mail is what your grandma uses to send you your birthday card every year. Yeah, that's, that's mail, and people used to use that to stay in touch with each other. That was supposed to be funny. Probably not. Uh, but anyway, so Paul, he's keeping in touch with the Corinthian church by mail, and at a certain point, Paul hears that some very serious conflict has started to arise within the Corinthian church. They had conflict over questions of theology. You know, what, what should we believe about Jesus exactly? They had conflict over worship. What's the right way to, to do worship? They had conflict over issues of, of morality. For example, there was apparently one guy in the church who had started having an affair with his stepmom, who is also a member of this very same church. And this dude was like, I don't see what the big deal is. You know, I don't see what the problem is. But it created quite a stir within the congregation, as you can imagine. Um, so there's this, this, all this conflict going on. And in the face of all of this conflict... The the Corinthian Christians did what we so often do. They jumped straight to this mindset of division, right? All these factions started to emerge within the church. They started to use all this us versus them language. There was this spirit of competition between them, and and their whole attitude was that until the other side changes, until the other side admits that they're wrong and we're right, we're going to continue to be divided, Well, Paul hears that that's the situation and and that's what's going on. And so Paul writes this letter that we now know as 1 Corinthians. And in this letter, it's really fascinating. You should read it sometime. Uh, Throughout the the letter of, of 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses each of these things that they're having conflict about. Paul addresses these issues. And Paul actually weighs in, and he takes sides. What Paul doesn't do is is sweep it under the rug. Paul doesn't downplay the conflict. Paul doesn't say that, like, these things aren't important. They are important. Theology matters. Worship matters. Morality certainly matters, right? And yet, and yet, right up front here, before Paul gets into any of that stuff, right up front, at the beginning of the letter, here in chapter 1, listen to, to what Paul says, because he wants to make something very, very clear to the Corinthian Christians. Listen again to to verse 10. Paul says, Now, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, agree with each other and don't be divided into rival groups. Actually, when he says uh, agree with each other there, that's kind of a bad translation of of this verse, in my opinion. Uh, In the original Greek that that Paul wrote this letter in, uh, what what he literally says there is, uh, speak the same thing. Speak the same thing, which I think means something more like find common ground. Not necessarily agree with each other, but like find common ground, Paul is saying, and don't be divided. But Paul is saying, listen, as you handle conflict, always, always, always resist that mindset of division. Always, always, always resist that mentality of us versus them. It's not that conflict itself is the problem. Conflict is, is not necessarily to be uh, avoided because it's, it's unavoidable. Ultimately, there will be conflict. But in the face of conflict, Paul is saying, do not be divided. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but but for me, if, if Paul was sitting here and we could kind of question him on this today, uh, one of my questions for Paul would be, why, Paul? Why is division so bad? What's the big deal? I mean, we look around this world, everybody's doing division, right? And, and division, it seems so natural. Uh, it can feel really good, especially when we do it in groups, and it's it's us versus them, and I feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself, and that's that's exciting. So So, Paul, why should Christians resist division? And why is this so important? Well well, Paul knows that this question is going to come up. And so listen to what he says in verse 18. This was the last verse that we read in this passage. Paul says, "The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are being destroyed, but it's the power of God for those of us who are being saved." Isn't it interesting that when Paul is talking to us about why we should resist division, and why we should avoid this this us versus them mentality what he points us to is Jesus what he points us to more specifically is the cross what what is Jesus what does the cross have to do with the conflict that we face in life well let's think about this for a minute you know you may not know this but but throughout Jesus's life and throughout Jesus's ministry Jesus faced a whole lot of conflict. Uh, the, the things that Jesus would teach about God, in, in many cases, that made the religious authorities of that day very upset. And, and oftentimes when Jesus would teach things about like what we would now call social justice, it would make the governing authorities very upset. And in the end, the religious authorities got together with the governing authorities, and together they decided to have Jesus put to death on a cross. That's some pretty serious conflict. I think you would agree, right? Like you have conflict in your life. I bet nobody's ever tried to crucify you. That is some serious conflict. And so the question is, how does Jesus handle that conflict? Does Jesus jump to this mindset of division? Does Jesus adopt this us versus them, me versus them mentality? That's what we would have done, but that's not what Jesus does, is it? You know, as Jesus is hanging there on the cross, As Jesus is taking his his final agonizing breaths, Jesus looks out over all of those religious authorities who had put him there. Jesus looks out at these governing authorities who put him there. Jesus looks out at these soldiers who had just beat him up, spit on him, driven nails through his hands and through his feet. And what does Jesus say? He says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive forgive them. Now notice, Jesus doesn't say, hey, there's no real conflict here. Jesus doesn't say, hey, our differences don't really matter, because there was conflict, obviously, and it did matter. It cost Jesus his life. This is not a kumbaya moment by any stretch. It's it's not. But but still, in that moment, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, that, that even though I'm in conflict with these people, that that even though these people are actively doing me harm right now, still I refuse to be divided from them. I refuse to be divided. The point here is that even as Jesus is being crucified, even as Jesus is dying, the way that Jesus handles conflict is by resisting division. And he does it in just about the most powerful way that we could imagine, I think. That's very powerful. Well, here's something even more powerful and this is more powerful because it's more personal to you and it's even more personal to me when Jesus was dying on the cross not only was he resisting division from those religious authorities the governmental authorities that the soldiers who is there when Jesus was dying on the cross part of what he was doing was resisting division from you and he was resisting division from me here's what i mean by that you know we don't like to think about this but the truth is there is conflict between you and God. There is. There's conflict between me and God. If you don't think that's true, think about this. Have you ever mistreated someone that God loves? Meaning, have you ever mistreated someone, right? Have you ever hurt someone that God loves? Have you ever wished harm on someone that God loves? Because if so, God is not okay with that just like you would not be okay with it if somebody hurt someone that you love, right? God is not okay with that, and that means there is conflict there. Or think about the way that you treat God. You know, have you ever turned to God when you needed God to do something for you, but then you turned away from God when God asked you to do something? Have you ever turned towards God when it was convenient for you, but then you turned away from God as soon as the God thing became inconvenient? I'm not trying to make any of us feel bad, but my point is that all of us do things that God is not okay with. And that means that there is conflict between us and God. But as Christians, we believe that somehow, some way, in ways that we can't even fully wrap our minds around, when Jesus died on the cross, that was God's way of handling this conflict between us and God. And in the face of this conflict, God could have jumped to this mindset of division, right? God could have adopted this me versus them mentality, but on the cross what we see is that even when we are at our absolute worst, even when we are being so hurtful, so harmful, even when we are being rebellious against God, still still God resists division from you and God resists division from me. That's how God handles conflict. We see this in other places in scripture too, but we see it most fully on the cross. That's how God handles conflict, by resisting division. By resisting division. So here in this passage, as Paul is guiding these Corinthians, uh, these Corinthian Christians through their conflict, and and certainly we can learn from this as well, when when Paul is talking to them about this, this message of the cross, this is what God is talking about. Or excuse me, this is what Paul is talking about, that that God resists division. And Paul's point here is that if that's how God handles conflict, and especially if that's how God handles conflict with you and with me, then as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, it's our calling to do the same thing. Uh, I know some of you may have heard of um, Father Gregory Boyle. He's a a Jesuit priest and and author, and he does incredible work with uh, former gang members out in in, uh, Los Angeles. And he's got this incredible quote that I love. He, he says, Ultimately, there is no us and them. There is only us. Ultimately, there is no us and them. There is only us. I love that because what, what the cross shows us is that that's how God sees us. That's how God sees the world. That's how God loves us. And that's how God handles conflict. And, and as God's people, it's, it's our calling to do the same. And so I wonder. What does that look like in your life? Let's think about this practically. What what does that look like in in my life? You know, when when you get together with your family and the conversation becomes political or those old tensions bubble up again or one of your relatives says something that is hurtful to you and there's conflict in the air, what would it look like for you to resist division in that moment? What would it look like for you to say, okay, we have conflicts here and it Matters. It does. But as we're handling this, as we're navigating this conflict, I'm gonna not jump to that mindset of division. I'm gonna remember that ultimately there is no us versus them. There, there is only us. Why? Because that's what God does. And that's how God loves me. When you're at work and your boss does something that is just wrong, or, or your coworker does something that, that is wrong, and there's there's conflict there. What would it look like for you to resist division in that moment? To to, to say, okay, there is conflict here and it matters and we need to deal with it. But as we deal with it, I'm not going to jump to that mindset of division. I'm going to remember there's ultimately no us versus them. There's only us. Why? Because that's what God does and that's how God loves me. At home, when you get into it with your partner, you get into it with your kids and, and the argument gets heated, what would it look like? for you to resist division in that moment. When you come across somebody from the other political party, when you come across somebody who, who feels differently than you do about abortion, about immigration, about the, the criminal justice system, uh, and your blood pressure rises because you know that they are wrong, and you know that they are hurtful, and you know that they are, are harmful, what would it look like to resist division and, and to remember, ultimately, there, there is no us and them, but, but there is only... Us. Now, I want to be clear, as Christians, we're not called to avoid conflict, right? That's not what I'm saying. We're not called even to downplay conflict. That's not what Paul's telling us to do. That's not what Paul models. That's not what Jesus tells us to do. That's not what Jesus models. That's not our calling, but we are called. And what Jesus does model, and what Paul models, and what Paul calls us to do, we are called to handle conflict by resisting division, because that's what God does, and that's how God loves us. Let me end with this. Um, today is a holiday in the church that we call Christ the King Sunday. Christ the King Sunday. It's this day when we celebrate the kingship of Jesus. And I know you know we're modern American people, so this whole idea of kingship, it's kind of foreign to us, maybe a little off-putting to us. In fact, uh, there are some people today who think that we should stop calling Jesus King because that word has bad associations. Uh, and I hear that. But, but part of what we're doing, when we call Jesus King, is we're acknowledging that Jesus is not just our friend. Jesus is not just our buddy, though he is that. But we're acknowledging when we call Jesus king that Jesus is an authority in our life. Meaning that when Jesus tells us to do something, we need to do it, right? Even if it's hard. Even if we don't really want to do that thing, because otherwise we're not really treating Jesus as our king, right? Uh, Well, one of the things that Jesus tells us to do is to resist Division, and that can be so hard. It can be so hard in the heat of the moment. Well, we're in that. We're in a conflict, and our blood pressure is, is risen, and, and our face is red, and all this stuff. It can be so hard to, to resist conflict. But but if we don't do that, who is going to do it? Right? If we don't resist division, what hope is there for peace in this world? If we don't resist division, what what hope is there for forgiveness? What hope is there for healing in this world? Whether that's in the political sphere, at home, at work, we've got to resist division. It's so hard, but when we find ways to do that, it makes our lives better. It makes our relationships better. It makes our workplace better. It makes our home life better. It makes the political landscape better. Ultimately, it makes the world better, right? Because the reality is, when we find ways to resist division, what we're really doing is we're reflecting the love of God We're spreading the love of God. We're multiplying the love of God in this world. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and loving God, this is a challenging message for us, as you well know. God, we are so well-versed in the ways of division. It comes so naturally to us. We, we live in a culture where the, the spirit of division just seems to be ever-growing, God. And, and we confess that, that so often it can feel good to be divided and, and to live into that spirit of, of division in so many ways, Lord, but you show us a better way. And it's really, really hard, but we know that it's, it's better. God, we thank you that in the face of our conflict with you, You resist division from us because of your unconditional love for us, God. We we are so grateful for that. And we know that with that love comes a calling to to do what you've done for us, Uh, meaning that we need to resist division from others in our own lives, Uh, even when in the face of conflict, so that we can reflect the kind of love that you have for everyone in this world. God, give us the, the wisdom to know how to do that, Give us the courage to to actually do it and and to follow through. We, We ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, Well, friends, uh, just a a few things here quickly for us before we go. If you're new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you. Uh, The best way to do that is if you'll click the Connect link in the description and uh, fill out the short form. I'll reach out to you later this week to say hey and welcome. Look forward to to connecting with you. Uh, Also, if you're local, uh, we would love to see you in in in-person worship. You can get all the details about how to do that on our website. It's kindrednc.com church. Uh, And then finally, definitely be sure to click the announcements link uh, this week. That'll take you to our newsletter. Uh, Pay attention to the newsletter throughout this season as we move into Advent, as we get closer to Christmas. We've got a ton of stuff going on at Kindred, a a ton of ways to help you engage, to help you grow in your faith during this season. Uh, So with that, friends, remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week, and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.